Good afternoon, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us as we do another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you doing again? Doing okay. I hopefully doing okay. Today is Saturday and it's, you know, it's, it's uh, Father's Day is coming up. And I hope we all doing okay. Doc, how are you, sir? Yeah, doing really well. My father's in town, so uh, excited about that. Uh, unfortunately, got here a little late, so he couldn't be in here to listen to us uh, on the podcast. He was trying to make that happen, um, but that's how that is. But I'm excited. I mean, a great deal of sports. Well, I mean, you can just play the, you, can, you can play the podcast for him on SoundCloud, so that's okay, or, or MP3, uh, iTunes, whatever. Oh, I, you know I will. So, yeah, yeah you can do that. I know but, I yeah, we got a smorgasbord of sports being indeed. played this week. I mean, you look at the fact that, obviously, right now you got the World Cup going on. It's, it's literally going on as you watch. I'm cheating a little bit. With uh, a view of it on my uh, iPad because they're hot. Screening. It's a hot tech over here, you know. <laughs> and uh, Costa Rica just scored after going down and been in the beginning of the uh, game to Uruguay 1 0. They've come back and struck for three goals in the second half, dominating it. And the only reason I bring that's that up. That's dominant, but that's not as dominant as the Netherlands were <laughs> Friday against Spain when they scored five straight goals, five unanswered goals against them and just blasted the defending World Cup champions and really. Outclassed them. No question about it. And and you can tell, you talking about they were serious about getting a four-year wait for payback. It looked like on that one. And the goal of the tournament, obviously, by everybody, (laughs) is that hitter by Robin Van Persie. Beautiful strike uh, pass in the middle field. Uh, And he just leaped like he was a gazelle and, and booted that ball right off the head over the goalie, where the goalie just looked. There's a picture out there where there's actually a picture from the goal, back mm. of the goal, net, seeing through the net, and you see him landing the ball, just flying the goalie, looking over his head like what just happened as he goes into the net. On oh, a much beautiful. much lesser scale, I know that feeling last summer when I was playing keeper. Doc, <laughs> Indoor. Doc, let me tell you. I know, I know he was complaining a lot. A lot. Oh, man. He was complaining a lot. I saw the ball go over. He had him looked look on his oh, face, and I'm like, yeah, got no defense, nobody hipping that. You, you know, know, man, I'm just getting beat down. I'm like, I mean, when you start playing yeah. with the skill that you see those players go, sometimes you watch those TV, and it's like really any sport at times. You don't realize until you get out there and be like. So, yeah, we were out of class they, they a lot of our matches last summer, but we ended the season on a high note, so. Then we also got to give shout-outs. College World Series is yeah. going on starting this weekend. Game, game. one is in process, uh, yeah. progress right now. Three three teams from Texas, one of them playing now, which is? Uh, Texas and uh, UC Irvine. And at the bottom of the fourth, the, uh, this is the update, is one nothing uh, Texas. Uh, but UCI has left 11 runners, 10 in a scoring position. And, it, and it's either the second or the third out. Couldn't get them home. Wow! So uh, and, uh, come on, come on, UCI, come on, UC Irvine, beat the Longhorns. Obviously, you have Texas Tech, TCU in the tournament. They'll actually play each other tomorrow. Big, big time. Guaranteed stuff on the Big one. Twelve, I, and then I, you I'm have at least one of those, one of the Texas teams making it to the uh, final final game. Yeah, you can see that as long as that's the Longhorns. And then obviously, play. you <laughs> congratulations hey, to it happened. Uh, Los Angeles Cling National Hockey League. Since we're talking a little sport, we'll go outside of that because we can talk at all. Uh, second championship in the last one three in, years. One in double Alec, overtime. And we talk about diversity here in a lot Alec of Martinez with the game Alec winner. Martinez with the game winner. And he actually had the game winner in that seven game series, the seventh game against Chicago that brought him to the championship. So, uh, uh, beautiful games to see, uh, how well 
hockey's played, and when you look at the diversity, for me, it's even better. So it's a big deal there, uh, big-time game going on. Next thing I will tie it in was from the framework, you know, obviously it looks like we're talking about the end of the NBA series uh, as the San Antonio Spurs look to close it out. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to the NBA. We'll get to Rockets and you seem to be my, upset my, about my that. My friend Daryl Morey. We'll yeah, talk, go ahead talk about I think this stuff. might have to do with Kawhi Leonard, who is showing out. Yes, uh, uh, taking that next step on, on, on a lot two of levels. Him. So we'll I talk about hear that. So hold on, listeners. Yes, go ahead. Perspective from that. Last thing, you know, I'd love to close this out with a little touch. You know, my favorite background in terms of HBCUs. I'm actually going to a symposium, HBCUstory.com, which is the second HBCU story symposium. I went last year and reported this one is in, which was in Nashville, Tennessee. This one is in Washington, D.C., October 24th and 25th. I'll be presenting some research uh, looking at HBCU sports tradition. In this particular series that I'm doing, it'll be called the Africana Diaspora, representing soccer, Howard University, and blackness during the black power movement, as well as pan-Africanism, the road to redemption. This is the 40th anniversary of the 1974 NCAA championship season. Uh, when you say that, you say, wow, time has passed. What is you really unique and interesting about this program is, one, uh, soccer, which is not necessarily a sport in the United States played by African Americans. But this team was the first uh, HBCU uh, out of uh, with Howard Soccer Program winning a championship at the NIA level in 1961. They later backed that up and won two NCAA Division I championships in 1971 and 74, which was the first time that ever happened. The first one in 1971 was controversially stripped by the NCAA governance body, and it was stripped because of the number of international students uh, that Howard had participated in the game and some of the rules that they believe. Many of the people, as you could tell at that time in the 70s and a lot of issues coming out of civil rights, moving into the Black Panther uh, paradigm era, if you would, Pan-Africanism, many of them thought the NCAA was racially motivated when they were making some of the decisions they made. And even to this day, they said maybe that wasn't the case, but they definitely were probably insensitive. But the uniqueness of this, and when I bring up the Pan-African part of it, uh, particularly with the World Cup, when you talk about internationalism, Howard Program uniquely brought together the Afro-Caribbean culture with players from Trinidad and Jamaica, Bahamas, if you would, uh, also the Afro-South American culture, and uh, those from Africa, the continent culture as well, with players from Nigeria and Ghana as such. So it was very unique, and you talked about the historical significance. This was done at the time Stokely Carmichael, many know later in his life as Kwame Ture, which is intriguing, which is the name of my youngest brother, Kwame Kaville, who was named after him, uh, and which was an activist uh, in terms of the civil rights era and then moved to black power, coined the term uh, black power, at least made it popular at that time with the speech he did in Mississippi. But the framework that is really interesting about this is the fact that uh, he pushed the uniqueness of Howard U University when it uh, at that time, really started the uh, African-American studies, uh, Africana studies that has proliferated throughout the country a lot now, uh, started that at Howard around the time, or at least was impetus in getting the administration to offer that opportunity when people uh, 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 of black consciousness were looking for that. Oddly enough, it was coached by Lincoln Phillips, 
who won these championships, who was led under the previous coach that kind of put this together, Ted Chambers. And it goes so far back that the guy that was before him uh, trained under the tutelage of W.E. Du Bois in Atlanta when W.E. Du Bois around that time frame was at Clark Atlanta when he did most of his most important papers people looked at. And this guy was Jose Akiki Niyambango from Ghana looking again at move from Atlanta to uh, D.C. and kind of brought the emphasis of this program when you look at the HBCU diaspora. And the final component that I think is really intriguing is about this is after they were stripped of the NCA uh, championship in 1971, they actually found out on a bus ride, the bus broke down in 1973. They had just had a on-goal uh, from that and, and had lost and were frustrated about how the season. And at that point, they really made a statement to themselves and were ready to make a statement in 74 season. And they did it under the crucible, if you would, of truth, crushed to earth, shall rise again. And they went on an unprecedented run with some of these uh, NCA standards, if you would, still standing to the today. They were undefeated, um, had less than six goals scored against them, putting up 100 goals, dominating the competition. Say that, say that again. Scoring how many goals? Over 100 goals. And only allowing six, they played the championship game against St. Louis, team that they beat in '71. Uh, uh, that had two straight championship seasons, was a power uh, program at the time, and ended up beating them uh, in the championship game in double overtime uh, to win that championship in 1974 to kind of redeem themselves and make their run. So I think it's just a fascinating story of all the different. Angles that take place here is just amazing to me. So I wanted to make sure we shared that and got it on record. I think it was the perfect time when we look at the 2014 FIFA uh, World Cup, particularly when you look at the fact that this program, just as recently as the 1988 College World Cup, had a uh, World Cup goalie that played for Trinidad that actually went to school at Howard that's with the soccer FC that people may uh, soccer hislop. Uh, played at Howard, uh, team in that 18, 1988 team that actually went to the championship game and lost one nil to Indiana. So they have a new coach now that's wanting to revitalize this program. It is the only active HBCU NC Division One program after Alabama A&M, uh, with its own history at the Division Two level won two championships in 1977 and 1979, eliminated its men's program at the Division One level after the institution moved up in 2000. It, it it closed this program in 2010. So that kind of sums everything up for me. Outstanding work as usual, Doc. Uh, we're going to, don't forget, listeners, uh, U- United States men's national team, their first match will be Monday, June 16th at 5 p.m. versus Ghana. And wait. In the group of death. We <laughs> talked about it a little bit in last week. Folks are kind of upset the way Coach. Uh, he spoke the truth. Some folks may not like me. He spoke the truth. And, and, and it's, it's, yeah, it's not the one to be looking for. I mean, because you got to build from somewhere. You, yeah, well, it's you, not you, only that. I think what frustrates a lot of people, let's speak to it, the American tradition is even if you think you're on the bottom a lot, uh, it was sometimes good and other times it doesn't make, make all that. Uh, but people like to think you're going to push forward and, and give that, that good old American try if you would. But there's many coaches that have done this before. 
Uh, Lou Holtz was famous for it. Uh, they kind of sandbagged, if right. you would, things and took the pressure off their players. So the pressure was all on them. Uh, some of the luminary coaches, uh, uh, Bear Bryant and, and things like that. And, uh, uh, even from the HBCU standpoint, you had Eddie Robinson from Grambling. A lot of them would, you know, talk about how good the other teams were and never would really bring much attention to their own team. So I, I think it's overblown like a lot of things we do here, but it's just kind of that framework that we work for at U.S. and a lot of times it's saying, hey, give us that old, good old try. Let's talk uh, <clears throat> NBA. We'll talk about the finals first and then get into the Rockets discussion. Um, you still holding true to Santa Town? I said Spurs is seven, so I mean that that you look pretty safe. I look I look safe right now, you know. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm the one having some trouble. I said Heat and six, you know, and that can't happen, right? The only way he can do it is in seven. <laughs> That's yeah. what I said. You know, it's, it's it's interesting how how things change since the last podcast. Uh, the Heat won Game Two in San Antonio. Kawhi Leonard had not did not play well the first two games. He got in foul trouble both games. And that's the reason. I, 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 yeah, I, I, exactly. I, I, and his lack of minutes disrupted the Spurs offensively and defensively, more important. Right. Yeah. And then uh, going to Miami, game three and four, the awesome offense of the Spurs shooting display, especially yeah, in the first I half of game was three. Brilliant. And there was one move that I hadn't heard, you know, a lot of people talk about. But putting uh, Morris Dial in the lineup, mm-hmm. providing those four uh, passing individuals in. Uh, people don't really give enough credit to history like you told me about Dial is how he came up really as a guard that became bigger. Right. So he still has that skill set, and people see him as a big guy, so I don't think they really give him credit for what he's able to do to put the ball on the floor. And I think LeBron, to his credit, was open and honest and said, man, you got four people that are able to pass. And that's the dynamic between these two teams. And it was just a subtle move, and I give Pop a lot of this, but I hear people talking about how coaching and this and that. But I don't think it was just that much of it in terms of pure coaching strategy. It was, it was a, a subtle move and, and outside of what he did to and the interesting Leonard thing in is, terms of, you know, saying, hey, you got to get it. But one thing I want to get out there, and I'd like you to think about mm-hmm. this, is how uniquely San Antonio likes to spread the floor. Yes. When you put that against what Heat likes to do in terms of switching everybody. Uh, people are able to play multiple positions. Obviously, because they tend to play smaller on the offensive side, they don't necessarily put the ball down. So if you can cut them down in terms of the fast break, break baskets, which normally means they're getting steals, which means they're stopping you on the offensive side and their defense is leading to Quick baskets, which is how they get their baskets in terms of in the paint when they get them because they don't have a big man. So if you spread them out and don't let them switch and get those steals, you stagnate what they're not only really supportive of on the defense, but you also stagnate them a lot on the offensive side of the ball, which I hadn't heard a lot of analysis of, which is to me kind of separate this, this pure, all this overstated and laziness in my opinion where you have people talking about one team is older and wanting more and all this. I like to really look at the yeah. schematic part of it. One of your more, that's, 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 that's a cliche. What it attributes to is what they've lazy done reporting. from scouting of who they want to mesh with the three guys that are out front. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Duncan, 
Ginobili and uh, Parker. It's it's an attribute to that scouting yeah, the organization. That, an organization that says these are our three guys. This is who we want to protect. This is who we want to get involved. This is what we need. And and, and, we, and I agree with that. And, but I and think guys, that, are, uh, guys accept I, their roles. I agree with more, that. But I don't think you can say it's. It, it, I'm almost careful when people say that. That's as if other organizations don't do that. Well, and when you look at hold on, when you look at the Heat, I think they've done it in a different way. But they put people that are talented that shot, and in fact, it's worked the last two years. Which leads me to my of, point here of the struggles of Mario Chalmers. Exactly. He is. He has not played well. Batty A has in not, a long time. He going back to the he Pacers. He hasn't played very well. Series. But there's a reason why. And Shane hasn't played well. Now on the defensive side. Right. And he's not shooting well on the offensive side. It's gotten so bad that, you know, they had to put the Houston native, uh, Rashard Lewis. Rashard Lewis Maybe. in the game, who did Kelsey. give him enough to help him get out of the Eastern Finals to get in the championship. Uh, but still on the defensive side, in terms of what the Spurs does, he's a liability. He was able to. Uh, really punish and play really well for him in the Eastern Finals. So he's not scrubbed either. So I'm just saying that in a lot of ways, these teams really mirror each other in terms of how they like to spread the floor, uh, get after you on the defensive side, get in the you know, crossing lane, clog you up, don't let you get into the paint. Uh, but you have one team that is doing it really well in terms of shooting the ball while another team is not. And and so to think that one is built that much better, I think they did it in a different way. Uh, but ultimately, I think they're very similar in and a the, lot of ways. And a few things that the Spurs negate the Heat doing well is LeBron can defend Tony Parker, but the Spurs still have a bar handling and passing Boris Diaw exactly. and Mano Ginobili and other guys, whereas in the Pacers' case, when the when LeBron defended George Hill, yeah. or Mario Chalmo defended George Hill, the Pacers had no other reliable ball handling to get themselves into the offense, offense quicker. To get it down in the paint. So to make that, pay for it. And exactly. they just struggled. So, you know, um, Diaw inserting him in, just, and even they, they've handled uh, the Heat's defending the pick and roll differently in game three and four. They would have both set the pick high for Tony Parker. And they would run it on the sideline away from the heat liking the trap toward the middle. So they, they've just done little subtle things like that that if, if, you haven't, if you haven't noticed it, it's just subtle moves like that that have helped them get their offense open. Because even during their awesome shooting, big thing. Tony Parker was not getting the, the assist in game three and four. It was Boris Diaw. It was Thiago Splitter. It was everybody else. It, right. You know, Patty Mills. You know, everybody else was getting the assist. Parker may have been getting the hockey assist, which is assist, leading to assist that got the bucket. But the Spurs are just winning without really dominant games from Tony Parker, without dominant games from Tim Duncan. Duncan played well in game one. Denobi played well in game one. Kawhi Leonard did not. But you're seeing the importance of Kawhi Leonard in these last, in game three and four, and when he did not play well in games one and two, which leads me to my point here that I, I have not heard from locally. <clears throat> I won't get into specifics, but locally. Is it because they are a part of the and program? The, I have no idea. That's for you and the listeners to decide. In 2011, NBA draft. 2011. Wildcat. I've missed it. The Rockets had the 14th pick in the first round. Who was on the board? Wildcat. Doc. 
Who's on the board? Kawhi Leonard was still available. That's all I want to hear. All yeah. right, now move okay. on. You now reminded move. that once you reminded okay. that. <laughs> move on. I had this blank look on my point. face. And the Rockets, the Rockets selected right Marcus Morris right with the 14th pick and allowed at the Pacers at 15 wow. to draft Kawhi Leonard and then trade him to the Spurs in a deal involving George Hill. And I'm going to say this. And so I'm both teams, Pacers and the Rockets, kind of messed themselves up. Both of them were signable uh, draftees. So that's no excuse. Am I right? No question. After the Rockets made the, had the draft choices, they had the press conference, and to hear Maury and, and the other personnel come speak to the media uh, post-draft press conference, they were touting Marcus Morris's ability ability to be a stretch four and also believing that he could play some small forward. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way in the world <laughs> that Marcus Morris could play small forward. He can shoot the ball stretch for he's made himself a decent a, a decent to good NBA three point shooter now with the Phoenix Suns. But in terms of what the Rockets needed at that time, right. Kawhi Leonard was a better fit. Now the Rockets did get Chandler Parsons in the second round of that same draft. But ask I'll ask you guys, who would you rather have on the Rockets team right now? Yeah. Kawhi Leonard or Chandler Parsons? Oh uh, no question. No question. I think, yeah. It, no it, question. It's not a very difficult. Quiet left. Leonard. Leonard. Me, I can go with Leonard. Leonard. It's not very And difficult. it was not I a question. I think it's closer than some, you may think, but it's not a difficult. Right. You know, I mean, I think Kawhi is better on defense and all, a better all-around player in the channel. I think Chandler is now slowly getting, getting, has gotten away from defense and become an offensive-minded player. Which yeah, is part well, of the Rockets' problems happened, of, of every other problem Rockets have on is their defense. But I lacking. think that's a, a offensive philosophy schematic of the Rockets. So Leonard may have gotten away from the defensive side because of what is preached in terms or what's most important. So I think you have to be careful with that. But I think it's an excellent point. We'll see. But we're going to talk into it. I think if Parson went to San Antonio. He would have to play defense. No, <laughs> good point. Very good point. Pop would make him play defense. Or, <laughs> that's or, that's or, or, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you throwing a little brick at uh, Kevin McHale. That's fine. That's good. But, but you know what, though? You know, a lot of guys don't find it out until they get there. You know, it's not about, uh, you know, getting along with everybody. They find out, get time on the floor, you got to stop somebody. You got to learn how to. You got to quickly. Play. Right. I mean, and but you real get, quickly. The credit to that is also, you know, there's several teams out there, you know, folks uh, are with the heat. In fact, People said one of the problems they had the first year when they lost to Dallas is the fact he uh, spent too much time on defense that they really didn't have offensive schematics that cost them during the year in terms of where they were seated, but particularly in the playoffs when they played Dallas Mavericks in their championship series. And then, obviously, you you talk about uh, uh, Doc Rivers. Uh, You know, he hung his hat on the defensive side. So there's several coaches out there. That does that, uh, and, and maybe some not as much. And, and talking about the Rockets and Quite their, their okay. apparent indifference or aversion to defense. Oh, wow. Um, now, Mr. Biggie, listen up, folks. Listen up. Yahoo Sports today, earlier today, uh, the great NBA writer Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Carmelo Anthony is leaning toward leaving the Knicks I'm not at this contract, which everybody expects him to do, but actually leaving, leaving it's, the it's, Knicks. It's a foregone collusion that he was going to opt out, opt out, become a free agent. You're talking about, and the two front runners for for signing Carmelo were acquiring Carmelo, uh, Chicago and the Rockets. Okay. 
Now, why, from a rocket perspective, if you, your problem this season was defense, your problem in the first round against the Blazers was defense, your general manager says after the first round series lost that he was going to improve the defense, would you tr- be trying to acquire Carmelo Anthony, who was never been known for his defense. Right, and that's what kind of throws me off when you talked about the fact that somebody leaked out there that Heat has somewhat got into the discussion, which amazed a lot of people from the same framework, is that that the Heat's problem is more on the defensive side, side of the ball. I guess some people look at it scoring. But from that framework, I don't think it's that good of a fit in terms of winning championships. I think in terms of a another player to get you the big three that can make a serious run, I think there's no question that that can happen. But I, I, you better hope you have some, as we just talked about, matchups. You better hope you can get some certain matchups that play in your favor. Uh, the, so that leads me to believe that the best fit, because we know Chicago, one thing they can do is what? Defense. They can play defense. But the problem they have is what? Scoring. Scoring. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he sees that as the best fit in terms of running for a championship. But for a lot of people over there, I think the question really becomes is where is Rose going to be? And, and his pitcher. And healthy. If he's going to be healthy enough to play. Well, well, that plus the fact is, you know, what's his time factor? You know, how much once he gets healthy enough to, to play, if, what's going to be, what's gonna be his time factor as, as far as how long? During the season, will he be? I don't well, know. that's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, the question is: Is will he be back? I'm not even sure if it's really about to what level he's back. Because if he's back on the floor, he becomes somewhat a threat. And so with Carmelo, Carmelo can take off some of his scoring. So I think from that standpoint, it works. I think the fundamental question, uh, as you said, if he's able to come back and compete at some level, as you talked about, uh, over. The season. And uh, from, from the Bulls' perspective. Now, one team that we hadn't put in there. Go ahead with the Bulls' perspective before we well, get to that. Either way, Bulls' perspective is they would have to, if they would have to deal, trade Todd Gibson, I'm not too keen I would do that. I agree. To get Carmelo Anthony. I agree. Now, on the Rockets' perspective, you know, we offensively, talked about that Carmelo, James Harden, a ball stopper. You know, if you got both of them on the team, somebody ain't going to be happy. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Every NBA player, every pro athlete's got an ego to some extent. Some is bigger than others. And I think. How in the world are they all going to be happy? I think Howard, Howard should be. The, Harden, and Carmelo. I think Howard should be the happy person out of, this, out of the three. I think Howard no. should be. It's just, it's, it's no, I think the opposite. I think Howard's going to be the most frustrated one. No, I'm talking about already as far, as far not getting the. He's not already getting the ball. And I think with them two, you're going to get it less because you're going to, for him to get the ball, the ball has to get to him from a distribution point. And so, as you said, they ball stoppers. So once the ball gets in their hands, they're not going to be too keen to giving it up. So I think similar to what you've seen with the Heat, I can see those two playing with each other and distributing points among each other. But it takes out that third wheel, which is what we've seen with Botch. Right. Now, and so I think that's the problem you have with the expectation is Howard. What I'm I'm looking at it from this point, probably for the first time in his, in his 
playing career, he may be a deciding factor in who comes and who goes on his next go round. Dwight? Dwight. I don't think the, the, anybody else will, will be referenced as far as a player on this team and all because, as you all have stated, he's already, you know, his numbers are dropping off. Uh, he's not the first option. On the he squad, was, he was in the playoffs. Uh, well, it, it was, was successful when he had, when he was he, first out. He, he was pretty much forced to because coaching staff eventually found out late in the season that he needed to get his hands on the ball down on the block. Right. Now they basically have to make a decision: Do we, you know, what type of third player do we need? See, that's 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 why I'm really surprised, and I'm not. Some listeners, and I've had friends, you know. Tell me this, that I'm taking, I have a personal thing against Daryl Moore. I don't. I don't know Daryl Moore. It's nothing. The times I've talked to him, we've had good talk. Right. I'm just curious because he seems, he's, he's very into analytics. I just don't see, even from that perspective, how Carmelo joining the Rockets is a good fit. Numbers-wise is one thing, but personality-wise, I don't, I don't see how he fits. Because when Dwight mm-hmm. began to dominate in the low post with touches, on offense and defense, you saw Everything James Harden begin to pout and sulk, and his lack of defense really became indifference Ugh. toward defense. He, as uh, if, my point. well, if y'all gonna give me the ball on offense, why should I play defense? So, if that possibility exists right now, adding Carmelo to the mix it's seems to make going, it worse. It's, yeah, it's not so, going to make it better. So I don't see sure. how that really. Now, I don't the one understand that I, it. that's the one. The one I want to get in there is what about what the Lakers are doing, supposedly, by holding out it on the coach, and we know they have the money. They have the history, but now the way they run, people may be frustrated. But what about their run at trying to go after LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony since it's obvious that the two do want to play with each other? Yeah, the the Lakers are relying on their legacy and to attract people. How much money do they actually have to spend? Oh, they have the money. On a, on a, they have the money. If Steve Nash retires now, they'll have a whole lot of money to spend. Next year, they can have thirty million dollars to spend. Yeah, they have the money because Kobe's extension cut in to some of their. Because there was a talk. There was, if Kobe would have become a free agent, Steve Nash would have been the only Laker on the contract. One person, they'd have almost fifty million dollars to spend. But Kobe signed on the contract, that's probably half now. Because it's, I think it's a little more than that. It, well, it, 25 or $30 million, yeah. depending on. So it's not 50 what no, it could have been. Yeah. So we'll see. It. But the Lakers, they haven't hired a coach. Yeah, and many are saying the reason they hadn't hired a coach you know, is that what? they said uh, whoever LeBron James said he wanted the coach, that's who they get. So, you, you know. <laughs> I mean that that has been discussed. You know, Byron Scott is in the mix. You know, when you when people say that, and when, what you and when I hear that, it's almost like, well, Kobe, we got you under contract now. You don't matter no more. You know, it's, well, I, I don't I, think he matters anymore. But I don't think Kobe would be mad if you found a way to bring LeBron <laughs> and Carmelo there. I think he would be smiling, saying, "I might try to find a way to so go out with the It's, it's going to be the two of them and everybody else. That's not that's not going to happen. Camilla's I mean, they, they're going to do the same thing. I don't, I don't say it's going to happen, but I'm saying you can see what's been done before of what they would try to do. They would try to copy the framework for what the Heat did. Have three 
three players that are pretty much at the max, and mm-hmm. you fill in the spots around them based on their skill set. And arguably, if you look at the Heat, it's pretty successful. They went to four straight championships. They've won two of them. Exactly. You know, the- <laughs> I think if you put that on the table to any GM, to any owner, they would say, "I'll take it in a heartbeat." So let's not act like it. You know, it may not have been as successful as some wanted to be, but the big picture, four finals, yeah, in two championships. You know, you don't think the Rockets would take that? The, the, the haters, the haters will. And I'm, I've never been known as an optimist. I'm a realist. But four straight trips to the NBA Finals, two rings, I'll take that all day long. Okay, I, I am not going. I am not going to sit here and hate and, and throw rocks at LeBron and, and you know all that other kind of stuff or what they did because the irony is, hell, apparently the Rockets are trying to do the same thing and they're trying to acquire Carmelo. Exactly. So I don't hear the Rocket fans complaining about well we're trying to buy a championship and we're trying to get four superstars and be a big four. Y'all not saying anything now. So, you know, it, it all depends on if it's your team, happening for your team, or somebody else. That's that's the problem. That's what folks are being hypocritical. And if you're going to do it the way the San Antonio does it, you got to be really good in terms of what you do on the international scene. I mean, let's not look at them just getting players. They're getting players that are probably undervalued. No question. Let's be truthful. Oh, yeah. And a lot of that happens to be because they're international players. Yes. So they don't resonate to most GMs in terms of the American game. And that's why you don't see them on a great deal of commercials because they don't resonate to the American people. As much people try to put all this respect they have for the San Antonio Spurs. And I agree. I love what they they did. But let's not act like you can copy that uh, that. Easily, it is a difficult skill set that they've done because they have obviously a great deal of recruiters and evaluators that not only evaluate American talent in terms of Kawhi Leonard, but also obviously in terms of international players. I mean, you have two guys from France, uh, one from Argentina, Argentina uh, Australia, Chicago's from Brazil, Brazil, Patty Mills from Australia. Australia uh, Bain. I mean, it's, I think 10 of the yeah, guys Tim Duncan is from the Bahamas. Bahamas. So, so come it, on. You know, and kudos to Popovich as well as Boris Diaw because when Boris Diaw was with Charlotte, he was well, he was that close to me out the league. Yeah, no question. Because he, he was point. out of shape. Which, he's, 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 a, he's a big bone guy now, so he doesn't like he's in great shape now. But with Charlotte, yeah. He didn't care. He was sloppy. He he, he didn't. Sloppy. He had no interest in playing for a losing franchise. Correct. He let it show on the on the floor. He was yep. Change of environment. Change of environment. Turning back to the Spurs into the winning culture got him rejuvenated yeah. to care about basketball. It's the same thing with Patty Mills. They said yes. he came in what ten pounds. Patty Mills, yes, and Patty Mills is, ever of his career is up for. I think Patty Mills is up for free agency as well. So we'll see what team overpays to try to get him to leave the Spurs. That's what teams do. Teams overpay in free agency. Yeah, right. So we'll see how that plays out. So, and then you get you get and then you get players that have got the right fit. Um, Danny Green was a player from the D League. Yeah, that <laughs> couldn't cut it. It looked like he, he was, as you said, he looked like he was one foot out the league. And that, that's that's a said. perfect example of finding the right fit. To finish, At the right time. To, to finish off what you need to Absolutely. move forward. Absolutely. That and, and getting guys to buy into your system, 
getting guys who want to get better, right. work on their game. That's what the D League is. For the many of the guys, that's what it's about. It's improve your game. You can see he's been a three-point shooter. He's made himself into a very good three-point shooter. But in these finals, especially in game three and four, you've seen him put the ball on the floor. Yeah. With in shock, which he really couldn't do last year. Everybody, and he's playing better on the defensive so side. He's playing ball. defense. He used now. to be a little more of a liability on the defensive yes. side. On uh, these, let's shift gears and, and go from the sublime to the ridiculous, and talk about Donald Sterling. And uh, gift that keeps on giving every week to, to his to his attorneys. Well, yes. now to his detective, his smut detective. That's what I'm calling them. Oh, they just gonna get rich. Off That's of all they're doing. It's, but you know, they having. You have to give him credit. He, he. Well, my thing is, from I'm, definition, if he's, I don't give him no credit. Yeah, I'll give him credit. Yeah, I might give him credit. Give him I give him none. Hey, he got money to spend, and he he's fighting in his last fight. Well, this is fine, but he's suing himself. But which is still, in my opinion, is very greedy because he's suing himself, which means he's not leaving as much as he could to his kids, which is the legacy, which is another point that I see people overlooking, which also tells me again. Uh, of the insanity in terms of what he's doing because it's about him, uh, which is the whole definition of why he's in this position he was. So I won't celebrate that because I think that's egocentric and I don't. I, I have a lack of appreciation for that no matter what comes out of the table. Uh, so I won't apologize for that. But the thing that I'm is odd even... to me, everybody says, is that he's going to send these detectives out and, and then they know that he's going to find something. My point is, if if why would he have to send them out? If he already knows it exists, he could just tell it. He wants to make it legal, and he what's the, his, his if he his, says his only right now he's fighting his what do last. What he fight. make it legal? There's nothing legal about what he's gonna find. It's just information. As far as he's concerned, either we read something or didn't read something in, in the translation of of what the league uh, said as far as and him understanding that being barred means barred from. NBA buildings or, or facilities or whatever. Right, it wasn't no misinterpretation. Well, apparently to him, no, it wasn't. He, he apparently to him. That's no, to him now. He to knew him. what it said. To He's him. using that to to him to to, to him. tickle you and, all. And to him, all it boils down to is he's, he's fighting his last leader. fight. You're not gonna and, give me the leader. And the only way he sees this is through his eyes and through his mentality. He wants what's his. At least he wants a oh, shot at what's he, his. He, he is. And he doesn't care. He is who, he as, as care. they said, he doesn't. He care. is who we thought he was. And he doesn't care what you all think or anybody else thinks. It's not about what I care. That's not where we the discussion it, it, is. What he, I think. And at the end of the day, it's going to be him. In terms and of him, him fighting against his trust. Right. You know, which as, is as sad. Far as it, it's, which is sad. It that's may free. be. That it is, may that is be. Free. But in his eyes, that's all he's got to, to, to fall back on. He doesn't have anything else to fall back on. He's he's been told point blank that you, that he doesn't want you or anybody else to to tell him that he's got to suffer through the rest of his life, not sitting up in a facility in a, an NBA basketball facility and watching NBA basketball. He doesn't want to watch it from from he, home. He should have thought that before he made the thing. July seventh through tenth, <laughs> the judge will hold a mental competence a hearing to determine his mental competency. They said a man couldn't spell world back. Well, you know it happened. It, well, well, it happens. Well, I'd be it, shocked it if it comes out that he is mentally competent. 
based on the neurological tests and expert in all that. He's been fight for his life, mentally, physically, and and whatever. But if he's not mentally competent, he's not. He just he just he a crazy old man. He just greedy. Suing himself. That's what he is. He's a crazy old man suing himself. Well, he doesn't care. You know, and all he well, it's obvious. We're not I, saying I'm, I'm that saying. he cares or should care. It, we know this. You're telling us something we didn't know. If he cared, he wouldn't say what he said originally. I don't know about that. And it, it, I, it, just like you said earlier, he is it, he is that person, man. He said it, which is my and, point. And, and, if he cared, and it's boom. If he, you just said he didn't care, I said he doesn't care about the fight. He doesn't care about the fight. I'm agreeing with you. He doesn't care, no. and I'm saying that's nothing different. Than what we already knew. If he cared about people or things, he would have never said what he originally said. He wouldn't have never created uh, the slum housing tenants that he did because he would have cared about people. What else you want to talk about in this great discussion here? Oh, well, why, one why thing we that I it? need to talk about that gets on the table that we need, which is kind of in this framework. Sure. In terms Don't forget of litigation, about the NCA, the NCA, which is the NCA litigation with the old man. Nah, I, uh, I was following that this week, and all with uh, CBS reporter John Solomon. He he's pretty much doing a a, a, a damn good job, and all of uh, uh, doing what he does, and all his, and reporting from from uh, either from inside the courtroom or uh, right outside. But he's getting a lot of information out there. He's in the courtroom. They have Okay, the okay. Uh, the one thing that that was going back and forth first, it was it was either Monday or Tuesday. The lawyers were going back and forth so fast that the court reporter had to basically inter- <laughs> interact and, and to to tell them either one of y'all talk at one time or you slow down because I I, I can't tight and both of y'all are talking at the same time. Then two the next day the judge had to basically sit those guys down and says, hey, y'all are venturing off in other other territory. Then the last day that I paid attention to it on a regular basis because I had some other uh, uh, things to do, the judge got into a, a Q&A and it seems to be favoring, at least headed down the road to favoring the NC2A in some sort of way. What what did I miss? Uh, I'm not sure if I've, I've seen that from this point. I think I, I, only because I think of, she's uh, asking some questions in, ter- in, in terms of interpretation. Okay. So I, I don't think she's really showed a hand one way or the other. I just think it's a pretty simple case, but like any law case, when it could be a simple decision and the question on the table, do you fundamentally believe that student athletes have right to be paid? Rights? No, it's no, it's not rights. even about yeah, pay. Just that it's rights. about rights. Yeah. Do they have rights? Uh, in terms of, and then once you decide they have rights, then it can be about getting paid. It can be about earning money from their likenesses. Uh, but it's a simple. And oddly enough, it seems quite ridiculous. The NCA says uh, not only do they not have rights, they're actually saying that the rights don't even exist. And I thought that was. And so that's why I said the framework for for her making a decision one way or another, I don't think it's out there. I think she's asking questions, trying to figure out what do you mean they don't even have rights. And when I say they don't have rights, you're talking about rights of likenesses, meaning that they don't even exist. They're saying essentially that people come to the stadium and when they lead, when they uh, provide a contract for them to show the games on television that they're showing them the rights through the, through the stadium and everybody else 
on the field and on the sideline in terms of coaches just happen to be there. And so, so, which to me is a precarious argument to put, but there's a lot of little things bouncing back and forth where they showing, you know, economies of scales. They're bringing in the t- television execs and both basically you see them bringing in people from both sides. So they kind of spin it and turn themselves from their perspective. But essentially that's the question they're arguing. And this, what makes it difficult and why I think she's asking so many questions because she knows two things. That if she does side with O'Bannon, that this is case precedent. So you have to be very careful in terms of a judge of how you look at setting precedent and why that precedent is created. Because uh, one thing, obviously, this is going to be on appeal. So you want to oh, yeah. make sure, for who, no matter who loses, it's going to be an appeal. So you want to make sure that your ruling is really guided in law practices that exist, even if it's new case precedent. And that's the framework why as she's asking some of these tough and to some degree even leading questions because she's really trying to understand this. She is less, which is a perfect reason why I think she's on the case, that she she's not a sports fan, if you would. And so some of the questions she's asking are just terminologies that we use regularly because we tend to follow sports, obviously, something that she doesn't. So there are a couple of things she asks in that framework. Because, you know, one of the things, and I just glanced at an article on ESPN.com by their legal person, Lester Munson, and Doc, you've mentioned this in podcasts, it's, it's the NCAA strategy, it's their, their mantra. One of the reasons for saying players don't have rights is gloom and doom. If we stop paying the players, the NCAA will collapse. If the players unionize, the NCAA will collapse. You know, every worst case scenario, if this happens, the sky will fall as if these great minds who made all this money would have suddenly become stupid and not <laughs> exactly. figure out a system to make it work. Right, exactly. So, you know, let's Which keep that Which is the same argument when you had free agency. Right. Uh, they argued the same framework at the professional level. And you had the same framework with, in the Olympics. Everybody said that it would fall apart, it would ruin the context. And everything indication we see that it did just the opposite. And that's what the professor from Stanford, Noel, has stated. That in every case he's looked at, when you open up the market, and that's what pure capitalists will tell you. I mean, that's one of the principles we stand on in America. Supposedly. <laughs> Depen- you, depending oh, on. It, it references yeah, to d- certain people yes, and not others. Yes, supposedly. <laughs> Don't because, laugh, Doc. Because he, he, no, you're exactly right. He who owns the gold makes the rules. <laughs> and that's what we're seeing here. That's why. And the conqueror. Because you're actually right. Gets rid of history. Yes. <laughs> that fifth and, and, and all the listeners, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but, gentlemen, how can folks find you? Because I, I want to wrap it up in another in a female basketball uh, tone with two interesting things. But, Waka, how can folks find you, sir? You can find me on the uh, social media outlets, uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, TweetDeck, uh, Facebook, uh, Blogger, AKSV dot blogspot.com dcsr aksv dcsr dot blogspot.com uh, on twitter jl woodley one and and he is a out. retweeting fool people he will tweet and retweet walk reads everything and he will retweet it I'm, in a heartbeat I'm, I'm having time 
and I'll get those. And I and I'm getting into it now, as they say. I wasn't a a, a good tweeter, as they say at first. I'm starting to find myself now. Same I'm, here. I you know, it's, it's, and, it. uh, and it is taking my niece, my nieces, and my nephews <laughs> to to figure this all out, and I still had to help. To, you. <laughs> I st- we I all st- need. No, that's fine. We all need help. Because I'm gonna tell you, trying to uh, you know taking a picture and then sending it, I'm still having issues with it, and I just like okay, I'll just wait until one of them show up, and then I just, it, it may be a couple of days and all it be getting it done, but I get it, hey, it, it but it's getting done. And what's funny is when they get to it, it's like. <laughs> And I had to say, well, okay, did you send it to? The, yeah, all right. Now explain to me what happened. Right. What what did what did you just do? Yeah, because I don't. I let them. And do all it. they can say is, we just did this. <laughs> we like what? Yeah, that, 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 trust me. Yeah. And I'm asking, and my niece is like, well, I'm there. Uh, this is what I did. I don't. I'm like, and you okay, like, and they can't explain just, it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still shaking my head. Like, okay, it's you know, natural don't, to don't them. Yeah, it's natural to them. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. Doc, how can people find yes, you? Yes, you can find me on the social media platforms as well. As I just said, I retweet as well. Uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can also email me directly at kcavill, that's K-C-A-V-I-L, at th-agency.com. Getting prepared to, to get some stuff going on the Carter college sporting news.com where i do my polls and then obviously when we get in the basketball season because it won't be too far behind when we start looking at um uh going back to the houston round ball review to get you some updates on the basketball season so we'll pull all that together and look forward and uh, just continue to listen to us right here on the podcast and we'll let you know different ways of what's going on one last thing uh doc i didn't mean it but Everybody's in football. Doc and I are starting to step out in football mode now. I just got my uh, two of my two conferences uh, updates where I've got to make a uh, preseason uh, pick and poll. I got to spend some time and all out there. I got into the first of the month, Good. but uh, uh, two weeks and I. Homework, huh? Oh yeah, because unlike some spoke. of our colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to laugh, but that's what the but that's, that's, but that's true. That's true. That's true. And this goes back to the conference, and then and you know, as part as far as a vote and all. But uh, I'd rather not just do as has been mentioned, and rather than just make a phone call and say, "Who do you think?" I'm gonna go and do my uh, do do my own homework and do my own checking. I've got time now to get that done. Uh, so you know. It's, as I, as I said, Doc and I fixing to get in football mode, and it's got to be it's fixing to be on. Cause starting the second week in July, media days are all over the place. I'm looking forward to. I hadn't carried back from the swag yet, but uh, I expect to. I've I've mentioned <laughs> Doc. Don't do that. Don't do that, Doc. Don't do that. I've heard from two SIDs to say that if they get a phone call, they'll they'll help me out. I said you may have to call and make sure. Don't say that to me. Hey. Any, anywho, I'm KG I'm, I'm, hey, of the Houston Round Bar Review. I know what I'm doing. All of us do. I'm KG of the Houston Round Bar Review. Sometimes they told us in the past, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. So yeah. Just, so uh, that's, uh, that's why I want to change the subject there. Right. <laughs> I'm KG of the Houston Round Bar Review. My website is www.thehrr.com or 
HoustonRoundBallReview.com. A couple things up on Houston Round Bar Review Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, on Twitter at T H E H R Review. Two things. Uh, previous podcast we talked about THU football playing Central State in the up uh, in the Bahamas in the inaugural HBCUX Classic. That uh, the website for packages travel packages is. is Available and it is hbcuxclassic.com. Wildcat Craig from Rama, uh, Doc said he will be there, right? Yes. So he will be there for the game. The game is September 13th. Uh, for more information, go to the site hbcu or go to TSU uh, website as well, tsuball.com. <clears throat> I want to talk about this, fellas. Uh, I'm happy about this. This is this is something new. I got to give credit to University of Houston's new head women's basketball coach, Ronald Huey, because I assume he was uh, the spearhead for this. <clears throat> U of H women's basketball program has announced a mentorship program. Really? For the uh, women's basketball players. There's going to be a women's basketball mentor program luncheon on Thursday, June 19th. And, um, the women's basketball players um, will each have a mentor to help, read this from the press release, help them foster personal relationships with successful businesswomen in the Houston area in hopes of gaining personal experience, tips, and knowledge as, as athletes prepare for life after graduation. So as a Cougar alum, I am very Glad to see that the U of H women's basketball program head coach has initiated this mentor program for the, the players. I'm not calling them student athletes. <clears throat> They're players. They go to class. That's the NCAA term, right. you know, whatever. Uh, but I think, it's, I think it's a it's great. Not, it's a ripple. I think it's a great, great. I agree with you. I stopped using A great idea athletes. for them to have mentors. And, and they only use it in certain environments. <laughs> they, they only use it when it benefits them. There you go. So kudos and more information is at the U of H Cougars website, but the luncheon is uh, June 19th from 12 to 1 in the Ocrin Great Hall. And I think if you, if you want uh, more information, want to get involved, there's a phone number in the press release that's also on the website, and I, I will post it on my Women's Hoops basketball blog uh, with the, with the uh, mentors and more information as well. If you want to read about that, want to help out, want to get involved. Lastly. Big news here on uh, in women's college basketball that happened Thursday evening. Um, Diamond DeShields, formerly of the North Carolina Tar Heels, announced her decision where she was going to transfer to. And uh, she's going to be a Tennessee Lady Vol, like her mom, who was a All-American heptathlete when she was at Tennessee. But it is a big, big deal. When you have a freshman All-American like Diamond Shields decide to transfer, when she announced that she was leaving North Carolina, the women's college basketball world was rocked to its core. And uh, so she finally made her decision. I wish her well. She will be eligible to play for uh, Tennessee in the 2015-2016 season. But while can I talk about this before we got on the mic, it's now up to the players. It's up to the coaching staff to motivate them, to push them, 
to help restore Tennessee's legacy. And during the article, I read read the article. I I I knew this, but I hadn't really thought about it. Tennessee has not. Now listen to this. Listen to this. <laughs> Tennessee hey. hasn't had a first or second team All American since Candace Parker led them to the championship in two thousand eight. Let, let you know how they kind of fallen. Yes, it, it, might have fallen far. What it says more and, that it, and how that, quickly it has. Yep. No, but to, to me, what it said more than anything is is like looking at the U, the other UT situation. Folks who just happen to be putting the uniform on. That's part of it. And and, and I I have Coach I have staff slipped in their that. recruiting. You know, well, I think also it's not just that. It's also that their recruiting slipped, and what happens a lot of times because you're a brand program and you bring a player in, then it becomes kind of what happened to Texas in football at the end. But, then there you it go. becomes that the player is a better rated player because they chose Tennessee. But what you find out is actually it wasn't that Tennessee was picking the better player. It just was that people right. gave them more credit than they were worth. So it like gets back to your point that you had players. Sort of like what Coach, Coach Strong mentioned um, in his open, one of his opening statements uh, when he took the job at uh, at UT. And you were there. Then, then I was there. Uh, while at Louisville, he signed a supposedly rated four-star athlete but once he signed, the kid dropped all the way down to two. Go and figure. Then, and and then once the just before the season started, he was up to a three. Kid is now in the NFL starting. He mentioned who the kid was, and I I don't recall it right yeah, now. But you can. The one but, that just got drafted, uh, the linebacker, or whatever. I think so. Uh, and he said it was similar in terms of the quarterback. You know, and, and Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater. It's it's interesting how. Name he was uh, rated as a brand names, you know, had has, has con- clouded some of these folks' uh, minds and stuff. Well, I think a lot of it is mostly accurate, but let's be honest, all of this is a business, and part of it is about the business working through the business, which means you give people some benefit of the doubt sometimes because it, it lends you credibility as well. So it kind of works, kid uh, pro quo, if you would, and. Sometimes that's a good thing, and other times it's negative. One thing I wanted to add, as I know we're coming to close it out, but you talked about the Muhammad thing. I actually just got a call uh, from Curtis Simons, who is the CEO of HBU, uh, X, HBCU X, mm-hmm. the digital online program, right. and the founder of the Muhammad HBCU both, uh, classic, if you will, mm-hmm. in the Bahamas, and uh, working through some framework. So we're going to work with him to get some things together and uh, see if we can give some information. So I let him know that we're going to speak about the classic here. So hopefully we can support him and he'll, he'll support us. So excited about that. They great, great. actually brought him on KCOH uh, 1230 with Ralph Cooper and Sports Rap. Uh, um, so we're making things move forward. And I hope that, I hope it's a success. I hope a lot of people attended. I hope they're able to travel and attend the game. And I hope it's a success. I hope it's the first of many. Exactly. And as He's we- tied in for three. Right. Uh, which is a big thing. And like you said, hopefully it's many. And as you said, much successful. I just gave you the connection with HBCUs in the Caribbean out of Trinidad, Jamaica. Uh, went down there when I went to Trinidad and told you about the sports studies and higher education in Trinidad at the University of West Indies, which actually has a school not only in the Trinidad, but in Jamaica and, the bah- and, and as well as uh, the Bahamas like that. So it's interesting that you start to tie these uh, programs together. And the connection, because the athletic director in Jamaica, which has a intercollegiate model that is probably closest to the U.S., 
actually ran track uh, in the United States at HBCUs in Alabama A&M. And she ran in the Olympics uh, after that, finished second to FloJo at the time. So, wow. let you know how yeah, small the world is. Well, the, well, the, the well she ran well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> she ran very well. She might have run winningly well, too. <laughs> and as we close out, <laughs> as we close out. I told you, man. <laughs> as we close out, College World Series update. Um, UT has pulled off Thornhill, and the Curtis to close is coming in, but the score is tied, and Texas is leaving a lot of runners on base. Actually, the last update 3-1. Well, favor of? UT Irvine. Well, that's good. We can end on that happy had, note. Yeah, it was a double. That's good. Triple led on to that run happy note, that's very good, very good. Uh, listeners, thank you as always for uh, listening to the podcast. Thank you for sharing the links to the podcast, which are available on iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and Direct MP3, which are posted on the Houston Round Bar View website and blog, and on our Facebook page for the podcast. So thank you very much for that. Fellas, as always, thank you for your, your insight and your input. We'll be I'll be posting the links shortly. Um, I guess we might be getting on a more regular schedule, meetings, uh, are out of the way for a few weeks, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. Keep you listening and informed. You can follow us, each of us, on Twitter, and I will uh, tweet and everybody know about upcoming podcasts. Exactly. exactly. As I'm give you more about the World Cup. Definitely. I'm to watch this England and Italy. Uh, yeah, that's that should be a good one right now, there. So yeah, I, I was a prediction fight, a headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have anything nice to say. <laughs> Don't say anything at all. That is the theme of today's podcast, listeners. I know. I'm like my man. I'm like my man. No, man. I no, don't care. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Because each of us have taken little digs at folks. So, no, no, no. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. So Yeah, that's isn't that what right. you were told? Yes. So, to wrap it up, I was as I always do, one time too. to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, thank you, Grandma. Be true, be cool, and do more.